Welcome to Prayer Huddle, a community that seeks to host God, influence lives, and revive hearts. The message you're about to listen to is a word in season to make your spirit soar like that of the eagle. Thank you for listening and stay blessed. Praise God. Okay, so we're talking about, if you're looking at life in Christ, the game changer. And then uh, we look at last week as to the game we were in before, how the fact that you and I were in Adam, the first Adam, and we saw that Adam in his disobedience, sin entered and, you know, death followed suit. So in Adam, all of us died and then, you know, Corruption entered into nature and creation experienced corruption. And then we saw the, uh, the resultant impact of that, all the symptoms, or, you know, all the kind of lifestyle that, that we saw in the life of man as a result of his fall in Adam and uh, as a result of his being dead in sins and trespasses. Then we saw how God came in and then through the cross of Christ, death, you know, dealt blow to all that we are in Adam, brought an end to the corruption through the cross. So all that we were in Adam was brought to an end through the cross. And at the resurrection of Jesus, there, there is this emergence of new species of men in the last Adam, the quickness spirit. You know, and that is what we have been looking at. That life in Christ is the same as life in the last Adam, the quickness spirit, and all that you know came after that. That's what we have been looking at. I think it would be good for us to look at the first message, get it, and listen because we don't really have time to start doing a lot of summary. Okay, so we stopped last week as to what then is the implication, what then is this life. What game has changed? How do we, you know, look at that game? So I wrote about seven things for us that we want to really decode and analyze and then we'll be able to understand the game that has changed. The first game we said change is a game of our identity. There's a new identity we have, which is no more, you know, on the basis of our nationality, on our profession, on our possession, which is no more determinal, which is no more dependent on our skin color, on our sex, you know, all those things that we use that has brought a lot of division, that has brought, you know, a lot of havoc to us and wickedness, man dealing with themselves in a way that you wonder what has befallen man, you know, as a result of all those variables. But in Christ, God has given us a new identity. And our identity now is Christ in all and Christ is all. Christ is now our new identity. And on the basis of our new nature in Christ, we deal with all men, we relate with all men, we undo all men, and then there is no more sense of superiority complex or inferiority complex. We deal with all men with dignity from the kind of dignity God has also conferred on us. That is what we look at last week. And then the second one we're going to be looking at is the game that has changed, is the Father in Christ, the game of whom, we live, whom you live for has changed. You see, in the last Adam, you and I were living for ourselves. We live ourselves, we, we were driven by our self-interest. It's always about you, yours, and, you know, it's always about mine, I, and me. That's always been the narrative. 
It's always about me. It's always about selfishness. It's always about self-centeredness. It's always about narcissism. It's all about game of me and mine. But in, and of course, before I get to that, you know, and that, you know, that has its own attendant symptoms. So how man treats themselves, you know, we treat ourselves from this kind of selfish position. What is in it for me is what is driving my life. I don't think in a corporate sense. I don't think about, you know, fellow human beings, you know. In fact, when I do good, it's because there's something better that I will gain. So it's still selfishness that is driving me, even though I'm doing good. So my goodness is coming from a rotten heart. You know, it is still a selfish heart. The gain in it, in it is what is making me to do it. I don't do good because it is virtuous. I do good because there is a gain that I will get. But in Christ, the game has changed. It is now whom are you living for? Whom do you live for? So it is now a game of worship. Worship is restored in our heart. The true, you know, the true person that I must live for, that I must, I must hold in allegiance, that, you know, the person I'm in allegiance to has changed. It is no more me. It is no more I. It is now God himself. My, 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 ref, my deference is to God. My worship is to God. My allegiance is to God. This is somebody is in position of authority. And he misbehaves. He feels he can do and undo. That is what happens to a lot of our leadership, a lot of men, sorry, a lot of our leaders and many positions of leadership, many positions of authority. We use, we use authority, we do all manner of things because we think what will happen. But you see, if there is a consciousness in you to a tra transcendent God that you are accountable to him, you are there in position and you are accountable to him, it will change the game. It will change how you lead. It will change how you handle the resources you know, at your disposal. You look at what is happening in Africa today. You see you see all manner of wastage of resources. You see greed with, you know, with, without measure. You see people, how people handle resources, handle positions, you know, use authority for their selfish end because we are now accountable to a transcendent God. But now imagine if Christ is restored in your heart, then it will affect how you govern. It will affect how you do all things. You know, you remember in Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, look at what it says. Colossians and chapter 4 and verse 1. Let me just show you a scripture there. He says, masters or employers, give to your servant that which is just and equal. In other words, treat your workers with fairness. Treat them with fairness. Why? Knowing that you yourself, you have a master in heaven. In other words, the consciousness of your allegiance, of your deference to a transcendent master, to the fact that your life in Christ brings you into a consciousness of a goal that you de facto will change the game of your operation in the marketplace. The same thing to employees, the same thing to leaders, to politicians, to anybody. It's changed again. So really, when God restores us to, to himself in Christ, the person that benefits ultimately is man. It's just because we don't know this. And Satan used our foolishness to still destroy all of us. And that is why it is still the knowledge of the truth, orthodoxy, that will bring correct living, autopraxy. It is that that we need to restore to the church. So we see here, whom you live for has changed. It is no more living for Lydia. 
Like there is no more the reason of my existence. It is no more I'm living, I'm studying, even though I have to do that. I give myself to education. I get all that, you know, I learn all I need to learn. I go all, you know, I go as far as I can go in life. Why? To the master. The reason of all my exertion in life is to my God. God only deserves your best. You can't afford to be a mediocrity in whatever you do. Because you can't serve God with that kind of loose attitude. So, whom you live for? Now, look at it. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Look at the game that has changed. So, you see, you think Jesus, you got saved. Jesus died for you so that I can have a better life. No. Jesus died for you so that you will quit living for yourself. He died, he gave his life so that you quit living for yourself, so that henceforth you are now living for him. This is what the end of Christianity is that you may live for him. Living for yourself is still corruption, it's still a problem. Jesus is not just died for our sin, he died to deliver from ourselves. The problem of man is self-driven and self-centered life. You are not the object of your existence. God is the reason of your existence. He is the reason. Look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 15. And in that he died for all. You see, he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. You see, you are not only living to yourself. So you are not in Canada for yourself. You are not in the US for yourself. You don't have those advantages for yourself. You are going to steward it. It is for a cost. And you got to read the scripture to know how your the narrative of your, your own life, unique life, and unique experience with God must play out. So you see, he said, they should not henceforth live to themselves, but unto Him. You see it? So it, it must be Christ centered living. It must be God centered living. I am living for the Master. You see, Bible said, no man live to himself. Romans chapter 4, I guess verse 7. 14.7. He said, no man live to himself. We don't die for, to ourselves. We live. He said, you live to the master or you are living, you understand? You are living to yourself. And when you live to yourself, you have not lived. For she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. While she lives. If you live as you please, if you live for yourself, but said, that is no life. So ultimately, true living is that we have lived for the master. Jesus said, I came down from heaven, John 6, 38, not to do my will, not to live for myself, but to the one that sent me. And he said, when he was departing, he said, as my father sent me, so send I you. So it must be God-driven life. It must be God-centered living. So that's the first thing we see here. Or the second one we are looking at, at the game that has changed. The game that has changed is, I am no more living for myself. So your be education, your doing well in business, your bagging this degree, your promotions, your professions, everything you have, it is for the master. You're going to give account one day. You're going to go before him, account of your stewardship, how you use all these things, to him or to whom. I hear this. There is no neutral zone. Is either you have used all yours for him or you use it for Satan. In fact, yourself is not even the equation. It's either you serve the master and indirectly in serving yourself, you are serving Satan. So let's get this thing. And you see, we're not just looking for explanation by just looking at mental thing. We are reading the Bible. 
The Bible is the doctrine that we are unfolding, explaining the true template of what our life must be about. Okay, look at it, First Peter chapter 4. I'm really going to take it short, short, so that I can comb everything, because I must touch every aspect of what I prepared. First Peter chapter 4 now, and verse 1. Let's in a, should I read from verse 1? Okay, let's do from verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, he suffered for us. So all that went, Christ went through is for us, and the cause, it's for us, because that was the will of his father. Even so, so he said, arm yourself likewise in the same mind, for he that suffered from the flesh has ceased from sin. Look at verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So the rest of your life must not be to the lust, to the desires, to the depraved desire, to the, you know, to, to the, the promptings of men. How may see life? You are no more living after that. There's a redefining of life. And you can't get that in other. You don't get that in our Ivy League. You don't get that in any of our universities. It is the Bible that unfolds that. And it comes to us by revelation. As the Spirit of God, you know, and, um, you know, unveils this to us. And we are trusting God that by the power of God, this thing, you know, you have to glue to it. And Satan will not be able to get you off this thing. This thing is a serious issue. If we don't live after this manner, we have not lived, even though you eat and drink, even though you build houses. It will be a shocker <clears throat> to you and at the end of the day that God will tell you you wasted your life. So, John, you know, John Piper said, so I said, don't waste your life. The life that is not lived to the master is wasted. This is why this thing is great. And this is why this thing, you see, Apostle Paul said, he said, knowing Knowing the judgment, knowing the you know the, 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 the toughness of God, we persuade men. So we are persuading you, and we are telling you, first Corinthians 7 23 said, You are bought with a price. Don't be servant of men, don't be servant of your boss, don't be servant of any nation, don't even be your own servant. You are just the master servant, you belong to him, you are bought. So henceforth, you are not belong to him, and we must labor to know him. We must labor to serve him. We must labor to conform to him. All our advantages in life, all your disadvantages, all the, you know, all whatever platforms God gives to you, use it to make him known. Use it to serve him. That's the second game that has changed. The third game that has changed is how you see life. How do we see life? What's your world view? With what lens do you see life? How do you see people? How do you see creation? What is your what our value system? How do you what do you value in life? All these things have changed. Christ has brought a radical change to us on the inside. You are changed willingly. You have changed. The only challenge is that we are learning what has happened. Whether you like it or not, a Christ, as a Christian, you have changed. But we are now looking at the terms of the change that the master has effected. You never knew it is going this far, but this is all the excellent it went with you. You thought it was just sin that was your problem, our problem, but our problem it was far reaching. It's more than sin. Sin has its own attendant, you know, you know, things that follow suit. It is how you see life. So you see, you are not used to see life from external things. Look at it. Second Corinthians and chapter five. Second Corinthians and chapter five. I want to read uh NLT and uh, uh, let me see now which translation do I read for us? 
think my head is just getting in that corner. Let me just come out here first. Second Corinthians chapter five, and I want to read verse 16. Verse 16, I want to read. Let me read NLT. He said, wherefore, henceforth, wherefore, henceforth, no we no man after the flesh. We don't judge human being after the flesh. You see, it's such reason that you think is civilization and civil to say some people are men of color, men of men of no color. You see, look at yourself that way. You see, judge people by skin color. You mean after all the years of our civilization, you have not come. You still think you're a white man, you're a black man, you're a green man. You mean you don't know that man is man, regardless of their skin color. Oh, how depraved we are still. How, despite our knowledge, despite our technology, we are still uncivil. We are, we are still uncivil in, in, in our judgment. But thank God in Christ, there's a rediscovery of this truth. Dignity is conferred. You see, thank God for the reformers. Thank God for those people who fought the good fight of faith. When the Western world was in confusion, this guy fought and they fought to abolition of slave, slave trade. And what led to that was the conviction of scripture that all men are equal before God. But do you still know, generations and years after, people are still in confusion of judging themselves by skin color, all manner of racism, you know, all manner of xenophobia, xenophobic practices. Man is just a problem. We judge ourselves, yet by the time you go into our blood system, you look at the DNA of man, you find that it's just the same. So what is our problem? We are just superficial. We are not as deep as what we think. You know, it was Martin Luther King Jr. that said something. He said, the more you look at life, it just see, man, that with all our technological breakthroughs, men will make guided missiles, yet those guided missiles are shot by misguided men. The missiles are guided, but the men shooting, shooting the missiles themselves are not guided. What is guiding all of us? You meet somebody for the first time, you disdain the person. Instead of you looking down based on his appearance, the guy brought his education, and I'm like, is that the way you deal with fellow man? All because he's an Asian, all because he's a Nigerian, or he's an African, he's an American, he's a Canadian. Is that the way we look at ourselves? And do you know all those things? It's just geographical location. Who is it? He's an American geography. It's just a problem of geography. You are built in, you are born in a location, and that defines a man. Man, and God said, the only way we can do this is to make one new man out of all of them. Christ, the new man. You see, the wisdom God used, science cannot break it. Science can never, no Ivy League. In the next hundred years, we can't decode it. It's a mystery that is beyond our mental because the best of our brain is corrupted. There's a corruption in the body of man. So even in the hundred years of this time to come, we will still innovate in corruption. It is only the next one that cannot be, that has the capacity to undo the mystery that is, that is, you know, that is found in Christ. Okay, so look at it. Second Corinthians 5, 16. He said, wherefore no, we know man after the flesh. Yea, though we know Christ after the flesh, yet no more, and so we don't know him. Let me explain So we have stopped evaluating others by what the world thinks about them. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, 
as though he were merely a human being. How differently I think about him now. Just that change. We used to think Christ just as one of the prophets, just one guy, random person that way. But now after resurrection, we saw something different. Do you know in Christ, we are, we are people that benefit from resurrection. I am not a Nigerian. I am a Christian. My Christian identity is superior to being a Canadian. It's superior to being an American. I don't boast in those things. Thank God for those activities. We use them while it lasts, but that is not where my identity is. I'm coming, I am from a country which not this world can fashion. We are from above. At least that is from above, is above all. That is the way we look at life. This is the superior way by which we look at things. Do you know when you look at things this way, you will never disdain anybody. You will never, you know, operate in any superiority or inferiority complex. You will see all men as image carriers who potentially are children of God. And what you owe them in love is to preach the gospel that has transformed you. So how you see life, how you see creation, you now begin to see creation does not determine the worth of a man. We are all steward. We brought nothing here. No matter what you are, you are just a steward. You brought nothing here. It is certain we're going to take nothing out. The life of a man does not consist in abundance. So I don't look down people because they don't have. And I don't unnecessarily turn people to worshiping people because of what they have. You know, I like what happened recently. O2 Arena. Which kid was there and almost like shutting down O2 Arena. And I love the way it brought uh, what's the name Chris Brown. Welcome in. And I like those things. But you see, I observed beyond that. I saw men. I saw guys. The way they were, you know, which kid was just like a demigod to all. I just look at man. Let the same which kid do a blunder tomorrow. You will see how the same that I said, oh, our king, how they will cut him to pieces. That is man for you. Until you we go beyond seeing man, just in the words, in the fun field of today, in the achievement of today, or in the success of today, I will begin to see beyond that. You see, find that man, you are still missing something. That's why Jesus told the saint. He said, receive not honor from no man. Receive only the honor that God alone confer. So when God, when man says you are a most successful man, just take with pinch of salt. Let no man judge you. you don't, they can't see. They don't know your operation. They don't know the details of your heart. They don't know the nuances. They don't know the hidden things of dishonesty we have done. They don't know. Nobody knows. They don't know the exam you cheated. They don't know the corners you caught. They don't know the things you did in the secret. They don't know the motivation of people like you who are preaching today. They don't even know. Who knows my motivation? Only God can judge it. That's why the Bible says, judge nothing before the time. When God will bring all the works of men to light, then God, every man shall have his own true reward. So, how we see life, our judgment, our value system. What do you value? What do you place value on? And that is the reason why there's so much materialism. There's so much greed. There is so much possession. And then, man, how we need help. And then finally, still, how we see life, how we see people. You know, now we don't see people after the flesh. When you look at the fashion industry and the beauty industry, you find that billions of dollars 
goes on to beauty, beautifying our hair, you know, dressing ourselves, jewelry, makeup. And you know, you know what the Bible tells the daughters of you know the, the, the daughters of the kingdom, the daughters of Zion. He said, Let not your beauty, let it not be in the external adornment, in the hairdo, in the jewelry, in the clothes, in the adorn, in all these things. Did he say you should not use them? No, he said it's not saying you should not use them. Use them. But don't put your life in those things. Don't spend fortune on those things because what defines you must be something heavier than those things. And he said, let yours be in the inner ornament, ornament of pure spirit, of quiet spirit, of virtue, of kindness, of humility, of respect, of thoughtfulness. You understand? Of patience. And he described all this ornament. And you see the world today, nobody celebrates all. Everybody wants external things. We accept ourselves based on dressing, attire, designer wears, and all those things. We marry based on those things. And you know, no wonder our marriages cannot last. We're not virtuous. We don't have what it takes to sustain relationship. We break relationship with ease. We kill one another. Our world is just in pain. Despite all our civilities and civilizations, yet we groan in pain because we lose value, we lost everything until value is restored. And you know, this thing is not just a function of behavior modification, it's a function of restore, you know, restoring to us the new man. And that is what God has done in Christ, that in Christ, we begin to live from on the inside. We begin to see life from a different perspective. He said, this is the way old women, those old saints live. They live from within, in the fear of God, in the deference of God. They bring forth beauties that their husbands, you know, could not resist. That is the adornment God wants for you, daughters of Zion. Work on it that you are full of quietness. Work on it that Christ is your true beauty. Bible says, put it on Christ. Let him be your garment. Put him on. That's the person you should put on. Not designer way. Just wear those ones, but those ones are not your projection. Don't act like the Laodicean church that what, what, you know, designer wears, they have everything, but Jesus said you are wretched, you are naked, you are blind. Their judgment was wrong because they thought that was the goal of Christianity. No, the goal of Christianity is not the material things of this world, not the quantities of this life. It's about Christ in us, finding expression. You know, some say, in, you know, through the unique situation and circumstances that we find ourselves in life. Okay, so much of that. Let's get to the next one. The next one we want to look at is how we live. The game has changed. How do you live your conversation, your lifestyle, your manner of life, how you treat people, how you deal in business, how you relate with your husband, with your spouse, with your children, how you relate with your colleagues, how you live, how you live with all men. You know, there's a golden rule in the scriptures. What is the golden rule? The Bible says, owe no man nothing but to love. That's what you owe all men. To owe all, to love fellow man. But that's not possible in yourself. Man is selfish. It's only in Christ that that is broken. And, you know, you, have, you know, you break into a new world. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And the love of God now begins to motivate you. And you need to go and read 1 Corinthians 13 to see that love which transcends knowledge which is beyond mental knowledge, that love that is patient, 
that love that is kind, that love that is thoughtful, that love that is respectful, that love that is humble, that love that is caring, that love that will give, you know, that is courteous, that love that is not, that is not, that doesn't rejoice in evil, that doesn't rejoice in, you know, when, you know, hurt, evil happen to others, that love that seeks the progress of others. That love, that seek, that sac that is sacrificial. Do you know if this is what drives us, our world will be a different place? Thank God that this is not my world. This, you see, God knew this. He knew that even though you are born again, you are still dwelling in the presence of evil. There is still evil in our world, but there is an ultimate world, and that's where we look at the game that has changed the game of our world. Your nation is no more here as a seed. I'll show you your nation. In a short while. So you see how now we live. Now look at something in Colossians. Colossians and chapter. Colossians and chapter 2. The game has changed. The game of how you live has changed. Look at it. Colossians 2 and verse 6. I'm reading Amplified. As you have therefore received Christ and you are in him, so walk. Walk, regulate your lives, and, con and conduct yourself in union and in conformity to him. Rooted and built up in him, and it continue. Ephesians, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, Ephesians 4, 17. Look at it. Ephesians 4, 17. The game has changed. I Look at it. It says, so this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in his presence that you must no longer live as the hidden, as the Gentiles, men still in last Adam, men still on the other side. You have crossed to the new kingdom. You are not, you are not living a post-crossed life, a, you know, a, a life in resurrection. You are no more a Nigerian. You are no more an American. Go beyond that. Your life must be beyond American dream. That dream is too low. Go beyond that. Your dream must be Christ's dream. Your dream is now Christ. The dream you are dreaming. His pleasures you are dreaming. Your His interest, your passion. Are we together? So he said, as other Gentiles do, you know, in their what? In their perverseness, in the fully vanity, emptiness of their soul and in the futility of their minds. The Bible is describing the state of all men, whether they are educated or not, whether they are great or small. Do you know it was this kind of gospel that God taught when Felix had, the Bible said when Felix had of righteousness, he had not had that before. He had of temperance. He wasn't, wasn't, see, he wasn't man that was temperate, was virtue driven and judgment to come. He never knew there was something transcendent. The Bible says Felix was afraid. How we need true gospel that will bring everybody to their knees, regardless to, of their position in life, regardless of our possession, regardless of our promotion, and regardless of our profession. All those things are good, but they must be stewarded. But you can't steward them if you yourself are not right. The problem is you and I. Creation is neutral. And that's why creation is groaning, waiting for our ultimate liberation. Then creation will be right, you know, will be used accurately. Okay. So you see, 
That he said, henceforth, we are no more living like that. Bible says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated, separated from the life of God. So I can continue in this, but because of our time, I'm really going to run that. First Thessalonians 4 tells us, look at it, First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians and chapter 4. These are all the scriptures that you and I must know by heart. What has changed? Furthermore, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk your conversation and to please God. How you ought to walk. There is a conversation, Christians, Christians must embrace grace-driven conversation, lifestyle that is powered by the Spirit of God, powered by the grace of God. We are I'm not talking about changing your behavior. I'm not talking about behavior, behavior modification. I'm talking about changing as a result of power. The power of God has changed you. You have changed. You read the scripture, it points in your heart. You pray, the Holy Ghost came upon you. You can't do what you used to do. You can't handle your wife the way you used to. You will just know in your conscience, in your personal deal with God, that you have goofed. And you will, you, you have no choice, you just change. Initially, it looks like a rigor, but in the process of time, it becomes your lifestyle. A new refined man comes out of you. You know, it was what Chimanida said. He has never seen anything that produced truly cultured and civil man like spirituality. If a man is truly spiritual, Christ reigning at all, your heart, there is that subjective operation of the spirit of God, and there is that ascendancy of the spirit of God over your spirit, and your, your soul is now in alignment of the operation and the orchestration of your spirit. Listen, we don't know what we are missing. The beauties, these riches untold, unsearchable that await us in Christ until we begin to tap into these endless riches that is more than silver and gold. This is what Christ has done for us. Verse 2. For you know the commandment we give of you in the Lord Jesus, but this is the will of God, even your sanctification, even your separation, even your what? constant change. That every one of you should know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. That no man of all, none of us should what? should defraud his brother. And he continues. So you go and commit fornication, you do all manner of sexual thing. You see, we see all manner of sexual conversions today. Fornication, adultery, change of sex. You know, today we talk about LGBTQ as if it's more, more, more of this, it's a graver sin than fornication. And yet, the person talking fornicates is not married, he's having sex. And he's condemning somebody who is into LGBTQ. He's seen a lot. They are just different variants of sexual perversions. All of us need help. That's just the truth. Listen, God did not tell me to go and change the behavior of somebody in LGBTQ. God, to leave people to live. This is a live and let live world. Listen, give people the gospel. Trust God for people to come to Christ by the power of God. When people experience him, they will change. Let people not change in behavior before they are with Christ. God did not send you as a Christian. If your state, if you're in a position of leadership in the state and you can bring policies that will help us to have a civil environment, why not do that? Bring policies that will help us so that people can have their space and enjoy their life. Why not do that? God did not send us activism of condemning anybody. I can see that in the Bible. In the days of Paul, they were doing it. In the days of Jesus, they were doing it. Jesus is not wasn't talking about those things. All was to you come unto me, all that labor and heavy lady. 
And when we come to Christ, the game changed. Let's pray. Let's trust God. The challenge is even the believer themselves. Are not, we're not coming superior power, superior options for people. Power-driven conversation. Praying, trusting God, reading. You know, coming with superior things that people will hear from us. They will be brought to their knees. They will see that, no, we are missing something there. Their heart will burn when they hear our gospel. Just the same way they are grippers and the power that be at that time. That a man in chain was so much free that he saw chains on those people that think they were free. Paul said, I wish all of you would be as I am, except for this bond. Yet he was a prisoner. A prisoner saw that he was fear that those of them that, you know. So this is the dimension that God is bringing us into. And then we are living like this. First Peter 2 night tells us, you know, as to how our conversation should be, First Peter 2 12 tells that your conversation should be honest among those who are outside. And then the list continues loving, working worthy of God. I summarize all this as power of God driven lifestyle, grace driven life. I put this, I just read this and I move to the last two, and then I think I'm done. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. For our rejoicing is the, the testimony of our conscience. What is the testimony of your conscience? What do you testify about? You bought a car. You go to churches, everything. You God bless me this year. I want to thank God. My daughter eventually got visa to Canada. My daughter eventually got visa to US. Are you what? Where are you escaping? Is Canada better than where you came from? Except for the money and the light and whatever that you have. I'm not saying we don't enjoy it. Let's enjoy But listen, let's go beyond all this, the brethren. And in that Canada, are you after God? And in the US, are you after God? You are even taking away, you have your child, you suffer. You don't think all is well because of money and material things. Didn't you see that life is more than these things? In fact, those who built those US that all of us are running to, they have the superior mentality that many of us, they sacrifice things. That's why you could have the US, that's why you could have the states. They sacrifice. Today's are consumers. You came to this city and I asked you, what did you even see in the US you came? What did you see? Can you replicate what you see back in your country? They are paying you so well. You have a business back in your country. Do you pay your workers so well? You see cheat them. You see deprive that of them. And yet you are talking about Christianity here. And yet you are a cheat. US pay you well, but can you reciprocate the same back in your country? Where is our heart? If those people that are paying you here, if that's the way they pay you, will you have a good life that you are talking about? Or oh, how we need help? Even with those of us who call ourselves Christians, I see, I look at some of some, I'm, I'm wondering, how did we get here? How did we God have mercy on all of us? God does have mercy sometimes like weeping. How did we get a black man? And yet you're a Christian. And you, you came to a white man country, you enjoy the like the allergies, and you can't replicate that back in the country where you too you have suffered with others. <sighs> Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Ah, no, no, no. It's a no for me. Something is wrong with our Christianity. Something is wrong with our heart. And sometimes when you see people, they do little, they thought they have done so much. They do little, they thought they have done. What have you done? What have you done? You are wasting this all over the place. You just enjoy it. Listen, lay your treasure in heaven where much will not corrupt. Stop using all your money to buy clothes. That's much. Rust, where rust will not eat. That's food. Stop using all your money to buy food and eat big. Use your money to sacrifice. The apostle said, we have labor. We have shown you how that's so laboring. You want to support the weak. Support people. Use money to help. Help some people back there that you need that you are together. Don't forget them. 
Everybody will not have to come to Canada to have a good life. But what kind of help can you render? I'm only saying because this is what the apostles did. You saw the way they were raising relief for the brethren at Jerusalem. They were telling those churches, let's send relief. Let's do this. Let's help. You've got to do that. Use your advantage to help the disadvantage. That is what Christianity tells us. This is what I saw in the Bible. And this is why we are altruistic in our spending. This is where we condescend. We consciously spend well. We practice prudence so that we can have so much and we can lay aside for the disadvantage. It's going into your account. You are laying it because this, you know, the, 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 the love of Christ drives you to doing all this. How that's so laboring. You want to support the weak. And to remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. All your testimony in church I received, they gave me this, they gave me that. Whom are you giving to? Whom have you sacrificed to? You've got to step up your game and be a child of the kingdom. The game has changed. Stop, stop talking about those things that you and I talk about. You see, I can't go much on that. I'm going to leave that. How you work. Your drive at work, your conversation. The Bible says, you know, the Bible says not following, not stealing at work, not stealing time, not stealing resources, but showing all good fidelity. Titus chapter 2, verse 9, that you may have done the doctrine of Christ. The way you work at work, your boss will cast notice on you. This is a different worker. Don't you see a lot of us are hard worker in this Western world because of more money? I'm not, you see, that is an inordinate thing that is driving you. I'm saying the reason why you are giving your best at work is because you are a child of the kingdom. In the kingdom of Christ, by the reason of your life in Christ, this is the way we walk. I want to honor God. I'm honoring Christ, my excellence. I work excellently as a servant of Christ. Ephesians 6 tells us all these things. You've got to read them. Our time will not permit you to get into all this with you. So you get into that, you pay your workers well. This is life in Christ. You are thoughtful about your employees. You are thoughtful about people. You get into this business. You are thoughtful about your, 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 your wife. You treat your wife with fairness. You treat your husband with fairness as a servant of Christ. Lord have mercy. Let's look at the last two and I'm done. Wow. I don't know how much time I have left. You know, life in Christ. The game has changed. What is the game? The game has changed. You have been brought, now hear this, into a radical relationship with God and with his family. This I am going to emphasize. You are brought into a new relationship with God. We all know that most of the time. We were not God's people, but now in Christ we are God's people. That's what First Peter tells us, verse 10. He said, we are not God's people. We are now, we are now God's people. You have not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. But that's not just it. You are now, you have been brought into God's family. Let me say this. One of the acid tests of your being in Christ is that you love fellow Christian. We don't say these things in the church of God. Fellow Christian. See, the early church were obsessed with one another. There's one another, one another in the Bible, one another, love one another, being the forgiving one another, you know, forbearing one another, giving to one another, sacrificing for one another, enduring one another. It's all over the place in the Bible. But we talk less about it. First Peter, first Peter chapter 122. First Peter 122. You love fellow Christian. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples. Not when you love people, when you love one another. 
you first love the fellow Christian. You first love the church of God, regardless of who they are. You love fellow Christian because the same Christ reigns and rules your heart. First Peter 1 Peter 1.22. Seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. You see it? Is unto the unfeigned love of the brethren, love without hypocrisy. See that you love one another with pure heart, fervently. See that you love fellow Christian. Where is generosity to fellow Christian? Where is forbearance? Christian brutalize themselves. I've seen Christian when they help themselves, it's as if I've done the favor. They, we don't even do it. We don't teach it. I'm like, do you understand what the early church were doing? It was also not like a cult. That is a sacred thing. If you are in this family. You understand? Something just changed about our attitude towards you. The Bible said, by this we know we have passed from death to life. What? When we love the brethren. That's the adversity test. We know you are in Christ when you love fellow Christians. The Bible says, we ought to lay down our neck, our lives for the brethren. You understand? The Bible says, Jesus loves us. He laid down his life. First John 3, 16, 17. We ought also to lay down our life. How many brethren are we sacrificed for in the church? How many? Do you do it? Do we do it as a matter of this is my brethren, is in need? I've got to contribute this. And because the love of God is driving you, you don't forget them. Look out for it. Be, be, see, be on the cutting edge of looking out for this. Do you know you can hinder God's work because you have not helped that brother? Yet that brother carry an assignment that he needs your help. The Bible says, the Bible says they went, not receiving help from the Gentiles. The Bible says you ought to help such people. Told John around verse 7. We ought to help such. They didn't obtain. The Bible says we ought to welcome them and give them hospitality that befit. The Bible says in doing this, you are helpers of the truth. So let's understand what we are in. Let's understand the game that has changed. Forbearing one another, loving one another, all these are there. So you can just write this down. I check those scriptures, 4 John 4, 1 John 4, 19, Ephesians 2, 13 to 15, Colossians 3, 10 to 11. You know, 1 Peter, 1 John 3, 14 to 18. Write those scriptures down. Loving the brethren. See, it's, I don't know about you, but for me, it's a joy to me to give to my fellow brethren, to think about my fellow brethren, to, to part with things, to seek their comfort, to look for way, to sacrifice. We go to any extent. Apostle Paul said, "These hands as minister to the brethren around with me." He was telling the Corinthian church, "This is the third time I'm coming to you, and I will not be burdensome." He said, "For children ought not to lay up for the parents, but parents for children." He said, "I will gladly spend and be spent for the church of God. I will spend my life on you. Have you spent your life on the brethren? What did you give? You give a pair of shoes, and you, are, you teach you give. You give how much? Somebody asked you for help. You gave hundred dollars." You can't even give that. It's as if you are giving the whole world. Is that money? Is that is that your own Christianity? The Bible says, look, look, brethren, let's up our game. Let's understand what this is. So I'm not talking about people taking advantage of one another. I'm talking about the love of Christ driving us, and we are being strategic, and we are being, you know, sacrificial in our game. Praise God. Okay, lastly, lastly, the game has changed. And what is the game? The consciousness of tomorrow. There's a game that has changed. I've omitted one, what you leave for our assignment. I've omitted it, but this is so important for me, so I want to talk about it. Consciousness of tomorrow has changed. What's that tomorrow? The tomorrow of the saints is not tomorrow. 
It's not our tomorrow in, in this place. Our tomorrow in our ultimate world. We must be conscious of it. You see, if you are not conscious of your real country, you will not make most of this place. Somebody said, those who have made this world better has been the people that are conscious of their true world. If you are not conscious of that world, you will misuse this world. And what is that world? The world that is post-resurrection. Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 32, he said, if after the manner of men have fought with beasts at Ephesus, if the dead does not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But brethren, we are going to rise. Tomorrow we don't die. Tomorrow opens to us new world. And this is where the game is for the saints. This is where your own advantage is. It's not in Canada. It's not in the U.S. of 100 years to this time. U.S. of 100 years to, of, to this time will still be built by our corruptible brain. It can match the world to come for eyes have not seen it. Yes, I've not had it, neither has it entered to the heart of man. The kind of material that God is going to use to build that world. The Bible says, for you know that this present world shall be born, shall be born or shall be dissolved. What manner of people should you guys be? Must you put your hope here? No, we enjoy this place. We use it while it lasts. We still want it. We make most of it as servant of Christ. But we have an anticipation. Our world is to come. And in anticipation of those words, we make most of this place. We steward this place. We make the best of this place to the glory of God. And we anticipate our country to come. Our consciousness of tomorrow makes us to make most of this place and makes us to steward it well. The game has changed, brethren. And you cannot change this. It's just unfortunate you are a child of God. So let's dive into this. Let's understand the new game. Let's enjoy it. Let's make most of it. You are in a kingdom where it dwells righteousness. You are in a kingdom where Christ is the only reason of our existence. Is the reason, is the life, is treasure, our treasure. He is our unsearchable riches and he is our enjoyment till, you know, till he returns and take us away. Till that time, abound in serving him, delve into his power, reach out to more people, win them to him, grow in the power of the Holy Spirit, trust God for the gift of his spirit, Trust God for wisdom to reach out. Trust God to use your resources and all yours to serve him. Abounding in the work of the master. The game has changed. Go all the way. Make all the money you can make as a servant of Christ. But just make sure you are honest, you are diligent, you are hardworking. It's as a result of you deploying all your skill and everything. You don't cut corners and all those things. But even while you make all those money, handle sought with sobriety, with fear and trembling before God, because you're going to make, make, you know, you're going to give account of how you spend all your time, your money, and everything. You're going to stand before God someday. In the meantime, let's enjoy it while it lasts. Let's enjoy our God. Let's worship Him. Let's live a life that is God honoring everywhere and anywhere. But there is no zone of your life where God has not declared peace. Is a holy ground you are standing upon. Serve God, know Him, worship Him. Make most of it. Raise a good family. Let it be Christ and Christ all the way, the reason of our life. Life in Christ, the bam, the blast, the reason, and the ultimate goal that we live for. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Lord, I just pray, oh God, that you will seize us for your pleasure. I just pray, oh God, that somebody's heart will yet burn for you. I just pray, oh God, you will yet seize us. You will yet corner us. You will not leave us alone. You will somehow get across to us by all means. 
God will keep us by all means for himself. And earth will not be vanity. It will be Christ and celebration of his all the way in Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you so much. This is how far we can go. We can't do any form of ministration. This is how far we can go. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Matthew. God bless you. Thanks a lot. Um, Pastor Lide, I, I believe strongly in my spirit that we should consecrate ourselves to this truth in prayers. I want to give you three minutes and I want to apologize to everyone. Please hang in here. There's something the Spirit of God wants to do. We need to consecrate ourselves in prayer to this truth so that it will sink in. The impact will not be lost. Can you please lead us in two, three minutes prayers led by the Spirit so that we can really consecrate ourselves to what God is, is doing and saying tonight. Let's just pray. Let's just pray that the Lord count us worthy of his pleasure. Just pray, Lord, count me worthy of your pleasure. Do with me as we deem fit, oh God. Do with me. Do in me. Let your pleasure prosper in my hands, oh God. Apostle Paul said, striving with his walking, with working in me, mighty. There's a working of God. Pray, Lord, let your working be mighty on me, oh God, in me, oh God. Seize me, oh God. Seize me, O oh God. Flood my heart with illumination of yours. Let it be yours all the way. Let it be yours. Fill me with your power. Anoint me for yourself. Anoint me for your cause. Marika Lord, do it, O oh God. Don't leave us alone for that which will pass away. Let it be that which will last, which will reverberate to eternity to come. Let it be your pleasure. May your pleasure prosper in our hands. Somebody pray, Lord, may your pleasure prosper in my hands. May my life be sold out to you and yours. May yours, may yours, may your spirit find a place in me, oh God. Seize me for your pleasure. Anoint me for your cause. Let my lifestyle be pleasing to you. My eating, my drinking, my making money, my spending money, all that I do. May everything emanate from a life of worship and a life of devotion. Let it be Christ all the way. Let it be Christ my gain. Let it be Christ. Thank you for listening to this message. We love to stay in touch and to see you at one of our events. You can find out more about us on our website at prayer-huddle.com. Email us at feedback at prayer-huddle.com or on our Instagram at prayer underscore huddle.